I'm Cheryl Broom, CEO of Graduate Communications. The Higher Education Coffee and Conversation podcast is dedicated to exploring issues of importance to staff and faculty who work at community colleges and universities. This month, I got to reconnect with one of my past colleagues, who is an incredibly talented graphic designer and creative director, but who more recently started an alumni association at his college from scratch. Alex Carvonis, along with two other college employees, volunteered for the daunting job to develop a new organization that would bring together alumni and grow alumni relations. In just six months, they went from having one person sign up as their charter member to having more than a thousand members. And now three years into the Alumni Association, the numbers of participants and the subsequent donations to the college just keep growing. For community colleges, alumni associations are uncharted territory, and there is just so much potential to create authentic connections with your graduates. And for universities, these organizations have been around for a while, but there's always the opportunity to take it to the next level and rethink how to friend raise. Alex gives invaluable tips on what's worked well and how they have overcome the challenge of COVID to continue to grow their alumni association. So... Let's get started. Well, good. Well, if you're ready to go, let's just jump right in. Let's do it. I'm really excited that you agreed to do this. Of course. Of course. And um, so let's just start off by telling me a little bit about who you are and where you work and and what you do for community colleges. Yeah, uh, I'm Alex Carbunis, and I work at Miracosta College, uh, the Tier College um, in Oceanside, California, which is halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego, beautiful coastal town of Oceanside. So I work in their public information office. I've been there for just over seven years as of last week. So the time just flies. And um, I oversee the graphic design and photography and videography for the for the college, mostly for enrollment marketing. But as many of us know in the community college market, we do work for many, many of the departments. So end up doing a lot of work for the theater and arts departments and uh, a lot of the career education work. So uh, it's quite varied, but mostly overseeing design and photography. And for those people who are listening, I actually hired Alex seven years ago. (laughs) Best thing you did, Cheryl, right? (laughs) Best decision I ever made. it, It was. It was, and and you are just so creative, and I'll never forget your portfolio that you brought to the interview. Just blew everybody away. I think I might still have a copy of your portfolio. Uh, I still have the same one. I made two copies that for that trip from Las Vegas, where I moved from. I made two because I was so. It was the first time I had ever compiled all of my work uh, into one concise portfolio for this interview, and. Uh, I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make two copies. So I printed up two full copies of this. It was like a 70-page bound portfolio. I was pretty impressed and happy with it. It was very impressive. I, I think I might have given it back when I left Maricosta, but I remember yeah. thinking that I wanted to keep it. <laughs> I was thrilled when you – I remember the interview clearly. I remember where I went that day to to stall between meetings and uh, meeting with the president, Francisco, at the time. and. Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised at how uh, similar the job was to what I was doing at the casino in Las Vegas, uh, which was employee communications. So I felt very comfortable going into the interview. 
Well, you, you did really well, clearly. And now you've been there seven years and you're, you know, very talented designer um, and creative director. But the reason that I actually asked you on the podcast is because like so many community college professionals, you have other duties as assigned. And one of them uh, it is really fascinating and has resulted in in something really special for the college, and that's the creation of an alumni association. So how did the alumni association end up in the lap of the college's creative director? I think it was a long time in the works. When I first started it, it was conversations that had occurred, I believe, years before I even came about what an alumni association would be at a at a community college. It never went forward at the time, for whatever reasons, I don't know. And then it was it resurfaced um, about five years ago. Um, I, it might have been when you were still there, Cheryl, or, or maybe after you had left. I don't recall the initial conversations. But regardless, um, the conversation became about uh, in the foundation office, because we were talking about um, the support coming in, the financial support realizing that alumni association was a constituent group that was never tapped and very, very rare in the community college market. So there's a couple of us, um, my colleagues, France and Tori, who also had interest in, in looking into it. What would it take to have an alumni association? And so we sort of added it onto our job duties. And they said, we'll see what you can do. Let's do some research on it. And then we'll have to do a pitch to make sure that everybody's on board to say, let's let's move forward with this. So it began with us just uh, looking into what an alumni association would mean. Keeping in mind, we're not a four-year college, a university. Uh, so it would be different than what we might expect. I, I graduated from NYU and um, I know what I was getting pitched on a daily and weekly basis. And was that going to be the same kind of information that a community college would offer to uh, their graduates. So we spent, um, I don't know, a good two months researching. That was the biggest part of it was researching what it would mean. Uh, and the biggest part that we figured out was, yes, we were looking for revenue to come in for scholarships and support. And of course, the other big part would be actually for the graduates to make sure that they had a place to continue to connect with the college after they left. Yeah, it's interesting because I had... I had done some research on alumni associations before you and I had this conversation just to kind of get my my arms around, well, what, what is an alumni association? What does it mean? Um, just educate myself a little bit more before we talked. And I saved this little uh, bullet point from one article I read. It said there's two initial requirements to start an alumni association. And the first one is the enthusiasm and willingness of several individuals who are willing to take on the organizational initiative. So you three were willing, you were the willing and enthusiastic individuals. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm glad all three of us uh, had that kind of desire and that drive to want to do it because looking back on it two and a half years later, uh, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't, if we weren't fully invested in it. And our minds were there to really want to get this thing started. I'm not sure even why the two of us in public information more than Tori, who was in the foundation, you know, she had a, a direct goal, which was let's bring in some more money. But France and I in the public information office just had a real interest to it, to make sure that students could connect after graduation. France, uh, being a graduate of the college, I could understand why. 
Uh, and I just had my interest from NYU. I really appreciated the Alumni Association reaching out to me constantly. And so I, it, I'll tell anybody who's listening, it does take a lot of work. We initially put down all the things that would be need, need to be done in order to launch it. And as we thought, maybe it'd be a couple couple different bullet points ended up being in a, a long list uh, of things that had to get done before we could even launch the association. Talking about who's going to qualify to be a member of the association. How do we house a database? What kinds of events are going to have? What kind of donations are we going to request? How do we communicate with them? How often do we communicate with them? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that list kept growing and growing and growing. So there was there was anxiety from the outset. Well, it sounds like you didn't just jump in and be like, we're going to have an alumni association. It sounds that you are like you actually did a lot of planning. Yeah. And again, we researched other universities and colleges. The biggest, the biggest difference between all of them, because if you think about the information provided, it's still going to be student stories or alumni stories uh, talking about events that the association might be holding, ways to donate. So all that stuff is really kind of similar across the board. What was different and we had to make a real decision about and talk with uh, the upper management was, do we charge for the association? There were many who said there were some who were free and some that said there's a, a yearly fee or a lifetime membership. You know, you could go either way. So that was the biggest uh, contention point for us. Early on, we said we want to charge. This is the first way to get money. Are you willing to pay thirty nine, forty nine, fifty nine dollars? as a yearly membership to support your college. And then we had to go back, well, if we make it free, will we get more people involved? And that's the key thing is getting people to sign up. If we can get them to sign up and they're in there getting all the information, the quality information we can send them, then we can ask for the year-end donations and maybe get more money that way. So ultimately we decided, uh, upper management, of course, decided we're going to go free and it's free to sign up. They we're never going to charge for a, an association fee, a yearly fee. And we're going to rely on donations as our way to raise money. Well, and it sounds like, you know, that is a smart way to go because part of an alumni association is to build pride. So you definitely want to get donations and to have funding, but you also want that connection, that long lasting connection to continue you know, indefinitely. So perhaps in 10 years, somebody who's been in the alumni association for free, who's been getting information about the college. Now, maybe they have a great job. They're a doctor or a lawyer or biotechnology, you know, wizard. And now they'll come back and make a major gift. Because they've been involved for so many years. I think that was the biggest challenge, Cheryl, was um, building that affinity. We hear over and over again from emails that come in, uh, whether it's to faculty or to the administration or classified staff, we love the college. Miracosa changed my life, yada, 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 over and over and over again. But what really was missing was the affinity afterward. You know, you think about uh, the home that you built, at, let's say at a four-year university, my experience, I really felt that was my home for four years because you were living on campus. You ate on campus, you slept on campus, everything was on campus. Whereas, you know, to your community college, which from Miracosta is kind of transient, right? You live at home, but you come to campus to take your classes and you most likely leave. So we really had to focus on how do we build this affinity. To, to us, it was the information we continued to provide. So if we made the association free, we could continually give information out to remind them you are part of this community. 
from the day you were started the college after you graduate and as you move on to your career in the real world. So who did you go to first when you when you first you got done with your plan and you know pulled your database and um, had mm-hmm. you know your first publication? What audiences did you did you go out and ask to join? So the, our easiest and biggest one was uh, current students who were ready to graduate that year. We said, how do we reach the most amount of people right away who are going to be alumni? And so during commencement was the first one we realized we have 500, 600 people walking. What a great way as they're waiting to do the procession through commencement was to get them to sign up. And it was very easy to convince them. First of all, many people didn't know what alumni association was. Quickly explain it to them, remind them it's free, just sign up on the iPad. So uh, we would track that. And now it's been two, two graduations since that Anytime we'd ask somebody to sign up for free and give them an iPad, we see a huge spike in numbers. It's obvious. So that was our quickest way to reach what our goal, initial goal was a thousand people to sign up. So first was the current students. Then of course we had our database from admissions and records. We reached out to anybody who had graduated. We didn't care if it was 1952 or, or 2012. An alumni was an alumni. It was, uh, it was harder to reach the, the older generation, I guess, who had graduated years ago because many of them still weren't comfortable with email. So we had to figure out, do we mail them hard copy postcards? What's a good way to reach them? Thinking that those are also people who may have had a career or currently late in their stage in their career and had the funds to donate. Uh, we would reach out to any of the, um, the new graduates via email and newsletters. Uh, so a key component for us was constantly figuring out what kind of information we could send out. We found it very interesting that at first we were stuck on, we don't, what are we going to talk about? It was hard to get information. And then we realized, wait a minute, the college already had student success stories. And then we labeled them as former student success stories uh, underneath of the current success stories. And as soon as we saw that list, I said, that, that there's our alumni right there. So we pulled all of the former stories to the alumni page and we had a populated website with alumni stories. So it was a real quick transition to be able to send out stories weekly on different students who had uh, accomplished something in, in their career or with a new business. I'm really interested in that you required people to sign up. Like you didn't just say, oh, everybody's an alumni, they're all signed up. Yeah, we, we talked about that. And we said, well, that's easy. Get the list from admissions record. Just keep sending it out to 750 or 2,000 you know, graduates this year. But we wanted to make sure that they were involved. If they signed up, there was a little more interest from them to open that email. Uh, I think we made the right decision. Uh, it's been... Uh, successful for the last year and a half since that first year launch. So I think them actually making, pushing the button and signing up um, gave us a little more um, involvement from them. Well, yeah. And I think that like just theoretically from a communication point of view, whenever you ask somebody to participate, they're much more likely to participate than if you just auto enroll them. Yeah. Right? No, without a doubt. Yeah, And, and, and we've that. seen that. Yeah, and you took what a great opportunity too. I think that's such a great statement you made um, about graduation because people are excited. They're there. Yes. They're excited. They've got their lays. Their their mortarboards are all decorated. Their families there. What a perfect opportunity to to get them to sign up to be in a, in the alumni association. Yeah, and many of them didn't even think about it. Uh, again, this was new, so there was no alumni association, but they didn't know what alumni was. So. Uh, during commencement, asking them to sign up, quickly explaining it. And then 
we had a video that was presented, a two-minute welcome video, so to speak, that you are now an alumni of the college. So we've cemented it in their mind, one. You are officially, the minute you walked across that stage and received your diploma, you're an alumni. And we're welcoming, welcoming, welcoming them that day into the Alumni Association. Reminder, the fact that it's free, it was very easy to get them to sign up. We, we weren't asking for any money, just sign up. You'll get an email that the next day, welcome to the Alumni Association. Well, that's great. And did you, were those like, every time somebody signs up, they get, they get this welcome email? Yes, so we had our, our web developer um, at the college offer to help build the website for the Alumni Association, which is great because that means we had a lot of uh, insight and, and access to the databases to be able to create automated emails to go out. And that's a key thing for us being that it was three of us who had full-time jobs working on the Alumni Association, quote, part-time um, to be able to have the resources that we've already put in place through for other programs that we're working on was a, a, a goldmine to be able to make use of all those tools. Well, that's amazing. And, and I heard you say that your first goal was to get a thousand people signed up. How long did that take? I want to say it took six months. I have a I'm looking at my screen here. So, yeah, it was six months from January. Was it January we launched? January of 2000 and uh, the 2017? What are we in, 20 now? I think it was 2017. Commencement was in May. We were up to, um, so that's five months. We were up to 680 at commencement. And then after we received the list from admissions and records a few weeks after, sent out that next email, a couple hundred more people. I want to say it was by midsummer. Uh, that we hit a thousand people. So our goal was really, really quick. And that really helped for support in terms of staff and faculty buy-in. And I should have mentioned this earlier, but the biggest thing for us was to get everybody on the college who worked there to understand that this association had launched under the foundation and what our goal was. Uh, because the more mouths we had talking about it, the better for us. And it was easy for a faculty or a staff member in their classroom uh, at the beginning of class for the semester. Don't forget, if you haven't, another thing to look into is the Alumni Association. Here are the benefits for you, and it's free. Please sign up. So we had a lot of people working for us, so to speak, on the back end to, uh, to, to make this happen. And I'm sure I know from working at Maricosta myself for a decade, a lot of alumni work in Maricosta. A lot of people on campus who are probably really excited to join. So you had an audience already probably ready to go. Yeah, and, uh, and another way to get more income for the uh, the initial uh, the initial request was uh, these alumni had been there working for 10, 15 years. What a great way to give back. And, you know, we were at Miracosta, if you recall, we had a really high rate of um, staff and faculty with the annual giving, paycheck giving, I think you call it. So um, now they could actually choose to donate to the Alumni Association as well. So apart from you know, communication and, and pride, like you're in the Alumni Association. Um, what other things did you start? Did you did you do any events, uh, yeah. get-togethers? Well, this was pre-COVID, mind you. And right. uh, <laughs> World was uh, our, our key thing was events, yes. How do we get alumni on the campus? Because if we can get them on the campus, it reminds them this is where you, this is where you started, right? And then where you moved on from. So, the first thing was I uh, wanted to do a gala. Uh, the gala would be the big events, our annual events as we would eventually have to raise money, meaning, you know, on-site tables and chairs, entertainment, uh, live auction, um, 
online auction and also to be able to raise funds. The, the thing for us, which really worked out well, is we pitched it that this is the inaugural. And if you don't make it to the inaugural, there's only one inaugural. So you're going to miss out if you don't come to it. And we ended up selling out the inaugural event, which is a beautiful event, head on campus, uh, raised almost $15,000. Nobody expected it. We didn't expect it. Uh, it turned out to be a fantastic event. And we used that information to, to, to uh, raise more money afterward and get more signups saying, look what you're missing out on by not being a part of the Alumni Association. The second thing we did was made sure that because we had limited human resources, just the three of us, was how do we involve other campus events and tack our name onto it? So for instance, a building opening, a red ribbon cutting for, we had the dance, the new dance building that was built on campus. Really, this was not our event. It was their event. They were gonna have the ribbon cutting and we said, hey, We'd like to bring by, we'd like to donate a couple hundred dollars to put our name onto it in, a, in association with the AmeriCoast Alumni Group and bring by an alumni to come speak. And what does it mean to them that this new dance building is here for current students and future students? And it was a really nice way to connect the community and bring in alumni and really show that, hey, you did something for these students and now they want to talk and give back. And so a key thing for us to say is find any other event and tack your name onto it, let them do the heavy lifting, yet we can show that we're still part of the entire community this way. Oh, well, congratulations on that gala. I had no idea how successful that was. It was amazing. Yeah, if I could talk it up anymore, I would, but <laughs> and we were so happy with the way it turned out, Cheryl. Um, everything fell into place. Um, and the best thing was it felt like a community. It, it, this had never happened before, but to bring back alumni to the campus for a reason for alumni. And so it really made the community feel whole, you know, bringing back everybody and meeting with current students. We had speakers up there. We had a donation, check donations, uh, you know, a big check with a big publisher's clearinghouse check. So we got to hold that up. Big photo opportunities. You know, there were donations from the community. So we had alumni who have like, let's say, um, one of them had an embroidery company, past student. We had them make alumni merchandise. So they made some alumni merchandise. We put it into a package and auctioned it off for a couple hundred dollars. It really tied together well. And we're, we were so looking forward to year two. And then we know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get there in a minute. Or right. Let's pretend that it hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, it's really what I find most interesting. And I think because I was at Miracosta. I remember when, and this was prior to you coming, the foundation used to hold these wonderful galas. And I loved them because yeah. you got to get a dress. Like one, one year we were at like Flaberge and Del Mar and yes. it was formal and um, I was invited and all yeah. the big wig donors were there and it was just like, oh, it was so swanky. And the um, foundation director at the time ended up canceling the gala because it was so much work for her to put on and not enough return. Like the donations that they got from the gala didn't justify the amount of staff time that was being spent and resources being spent to put on these swanky events. Right. And people were disappointed because people like me, I'm like, I want to go to these events. Like they're fun. And I love that the alumni association event, your, you know, obviously your goal is to raise money, but, it's not like the foundation where the number one goal is to raise money. It, the goal is really to build that affinity, that loyalty, that love, 
And and you raised fifteen thousand dollars. That's right. Well, after looking back at it, as soon as we hit a thousand members, we I had to stop for a minute and think about this. I said, what are the other groups on campus in terms of numbers? You know, any OPS group or um, the faculty group of 500 faculty, classified staff is 500, some employees. And I said, we just surpassed every group. We're the largest affinity group on campus, alumni. And it was that fast in year one. So now imagine year two, year three, from 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000 members, we all of a sudden have become the powerhouse group. And of course, it makes sense. If you have 15,000 enrolled students and you have 2,500 graduating a year, you get half of them to sign up. They're all eventually going to work somewhere. They all sort of, they love their college. And so this is a, a big powerhouse group that will continue to grow for years and years to come. And obviously, and hopefully, will bring in a lot of money for student support, scholarships, et cetera. Well, and it reminds me too, the saying that success begets success. You know, people want to be affiliated with something that is successful and positive. Mm -hmm. And you were able to create that. Yeah, put the pieces together. I mean, alumni associations have been out there, as we know, but for for community college, it's still new. So I was just happy that we could put the pieces together, knowing that we did have the pieces, the right pieces, and make it work for our college. Now we are a couple of years later, and you aren't able to have events. How, How has the association had to pivot? Are you still active? The Alumni Association still is going on. The hardest thing I think right right now is how to keep people engaged. We can't have the on-site events. So how do we get people to tell us their stories, right? A lot of times we get these stories by sitting with people and talking with people and hearing from them. And we realize, wait a minute, did you just say you opened up a business or you just got a loan for X? You know, these would turn into stories that we could convey to our members. But without being in person, how do we do that? So how do you get people to submit and tell us what's going on? That's not easy, right? It's easy to send an email out and let people read and they close their email. But to ask them to turn around and write something back to us or to reach out to us because uh, there's something to be told, that's not easy to do. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge at least for the next six or nine months moving forward. Yeah, it's difficult right now with not being able to be face-to-face. And I think it's it's hard for everyone. It's hard for colleges. It's hard for recruitment. But I can definitely imagine it being difficult for an alumni association because that's one of the reasons why people do join, right, is to network and, and meet new people and meet other graduates. And yeah. COVID has made that really difficult. Yeah, and, and it's also hard to plan because we could say we started working on the inaugural event uh, as of January for a summer event, August event. So we could say right now, let's plan for the second annual event for August of 2021. Well, honestly, we don't know what's going to happen August 2021. So do we put in all the effort, start planning, knowing that it could easily be delayed or canceled again? So how do we think outside the box to events that are not on-site related. We can look for volunteer opportunities, internship opportunities. Nobody wants to do another Zoom meeting. So that's kind of off the table. Is it virtual performances? You know, we find speakers, performers who are alumni or something that might interest alumni and have that presented through some sort of digital interface. I don't know. But these are all the questions I think, like any business, has to ask. How do we move forward? Takes a lot of creativity, but if anybody has creativity, it's you. 
Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got it in spades. It is. It, it really is true, though. Thinking, thinking outside the box. Um, and how do you pivot in a point like this? You have to. You can't sit there and just wait. As we know, I mean, a year's already, nine months have already gone by since we haven't been on campus, right? Since March. So you can't sit. We have to pivot. We got to know. We got to look at all the options moving forward. When you do your communications to alumni, are there is there a lot of direct asking for money or is that kind of ancillary? Yes, we, we're always asking for donations. We put the button in every newsletter, probably multiple times in different places. Uh, and we had to come up with unique ways to ask for money as well, something that would be a little more specific, a little more intriguing. So we started the charter membership drive. Uh, the charter membership drive is, li- is a limited number of people are willing to donate at least $500. What does that do? It makes you special. You are part of the initial group that helped fund the, the initial scholarship, the alumni scholarship, an endowed scholarship, which would be, I think it's thirty-some thousand dollars we need to reach. By becoming $500, you become that charter member. You get to choose your ID member. You get a special black metal um, uh, membership card. And you feel special. You get invited to um, specific events with the president that you wouldn't normally get to be invited to. Um, you get special uh, discounts with merchandise. So we make it a, a whole other club. And that was just a different way. Somebody goes, well, I have $500. And they become a part of a special group that's going to be cemented in the history. So I think uh, I'm not fearful to ask for money. People know that's why you're calling. Uh, that's what we need to make sure that our students have all the resources they need. And if they remember many of them who had scholarships and any sort of uh, financial help, that's what helped them get through the through school. Uh, and they're willing to give back. And so it's a good thing. I love that idea of a charter member. Everybody wants to be first. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Part of a special club. Did you get how how was the response? Were people into that? Yeah, well, I think, well, first of all, we had the, the initial charter member before we actually launched it. We had the initial charter member ready to go, $500, so that at the inaugural event, we announced that we're going to be starting the charter membership. And sure enough, a hand went up in the audience that started the ball rolling. So the first membership went to one of the staff members, Susan Walker. And as soon as she did, another gentleman who was in Tri-City, Aaron Bizak, said he wanted to be a part of it. So he got in at number two. This all happened live during the inaugural event. So what a great way to start the ball rolling with the excitement. Now I think we're up to, is it 10 or 12 members? It should be on the website. Uh, it's sometimes tough to keep everything up to date because they come in. But um, yeah, it, it worked. And it will and it will continue to work until we get to that endowment. Uh, it's been harder because everybody's been at home now. But without a doubt, it was a unique way to get people to sign up. Wow, that's really smart. That was, That's a really great idea. So many good ideas. Um, I think I, I have been asked over the last couple of years of I, as I've worked with colleges across the nation about how to start an alumni association. I think that a lot of community colleges have this on their wish list, yeah. but it's so overwhelming. They just don't know how to go about doing it. And really um, talking to you, you make it sound like, you know, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but you took the time, you researched it, you came up with some unique ideas. Um, you came up with a plan and and you just went for it. I think the plan is the biggest one. I, I have no doubt that any college will have the support from their board, from the foundation board, or from faculty and staff, because um, there's no reason to say no to it. 
the hardest challenge is the time, is finding the time, making sure you have the people who are willing to put in that extra time. We were very thankful to have the three of us who put in a lot of extra hours for it. Uh, my, my key thing for anybody looking to do the, to do the same would be, uh, as I relate to it to my food photography background is mise en place, make sure you have all the pieces in place. We can't tell you how many times that somebody from the foundation board said, we'd like you to do this as you move forward in the alumni association. Thankfully, we had all the pieces. And when I say all the pieces in place, I'm talking about the website was in place, all of our boilerplate contact information uh, was in place, the copy, so that we, and collateral, print collateral from postcards, even little things like merchandise, whether it's hats or mugs or keychains, everything is in place. So when we did have to reach out or go to an event, uh, we could grab the things we needed that were appropriate for that event or those people and take it and run. And being prepared like that saved us because um, it happened all the time. New places to reach out to and we were prepared for it. Now you, you, the three of you, didn't you present at a conference on how you, how you put this all together? Yeah, it was 2018, I guess, 2019, 18, 2018 at the case conference in San Diego. Uh, and this was one of the seminars was on what does it take to launch an alumni association? And uh, yeah, we spoke for an hour and a half about it. Um, I heard a lot of good response that this is what people wanted to hear to, uh, to know the, what pieces and parts were needed to actually launch an association. I remember talking to you right around then and you had said that you were putting together this presentation and that once you put the presentation together, you were, you were kind of like overwhelmed by it all. Like, wow, we we did all of this. Yeah, I look back on it now. I actually have the, the presentation in front of me as notes as we're talking and um, it's still overwhelming. When you look at the list and this is just the 68 pages in the PowerPoint, uh, which summarize what we did, right? It's not every little detail on it. Um, it is a lot of work. And to think that that was done in six months to get this thing launched. Um, I look back now, but I'm not sure how we did it. But <laughs> I am reminded that there was a lot of people who helped. If you ask, you know, your colleagues, they are more than willing to pick up a piece here and there. And with 500 staff, it's not hard to get the right people to help out at the right time with the right piece. Well, and that's, you know, in the beginning of the podcast, I had said that there were two requirements to start an alumni association. And the first one was enthusiastic and willing individuals, which you you clearly, you know, were and are. And then the second one is um, having a nucleus of alumni and friends who will participate. So I think that's the two things, you know, that that were on this how to start an alumni association blog I read. And clearly those are the two things that you've hit on that have made you the most successful in, in creating and sustaining this organization. Yeah. Well, thanks. And sustaining is going to be the next challenge. I think, um, uh, how do you continue to offer interest? And what is that? One is making sure that the stories are told, the alumni stories are told, because that's what inspires me knowing that this person graduated from the college and is now doing this amazing thing at another company or launched a business. These are great stories to hear from uh, and what their challenges were. So keeping this going is gonna be the challenge. Money will come. I remember hearing from another um, alumni association director, um, how many years it took before somebody donated. Uh, somewhere in New Jersey, New England somewhere. Um, it took them almost 12 years to get this one person to donate. But when they did, it was a million dollar donation. 
So that's that kind of, you know, that cultivation over time. You don't have it yet. You don't have it yet, but we're still talking to you because you're important. And eventually that money will come around and then you'll get the donation that you've been working so hard for years. So um, I know the foundation, our foundation board had asked about, you know, what we expect to get and when. And I kept reminding them, this is the long term, right? We, we can't look at what next year is going to bring. You know, I could say, here's $40,000. Is that really what's going to make the Alumni Association successful? It's the long-term goal. What will we be doing in 10 years from now? That keep your eye on the prize. It is the long-term goal. I think that is, you have to keep in mind that things take time, relationships take time, um, and that results aren't always immediate. And I think if I could complain about anything working with community colleges, and I, this is my soapbox right now. <laughs> so many great ideas and so many hardworking people, and they just don't give things enough time to become successful. Time and consistency, right? Time and to- consistency. That's right. If you well, find you know, something that does well, keep doing it. Don't that's stop. Right. Yeah, you can't stop the advertising, right? It has right. to continue to go on. And I love your comment about stories too, because you know, we used to put together the amazing magazine, Transforming Lives, which you still do. And we'd meet these alumni that were like amazingly successful. And you're like, wow, these people are, are, are wealthy, or they've invented something amazing, or they have a fashion line, or they've done research that has impacted pharmaceutical development. And they all come from a community college. And we need to tell those stories, not just to engage alumni, but to change the perspective of community college being lesser than a four-year because amazing things happen out of community colleges. Yeah, and and you made a key point that made me think about um, one of the things we've learned. These stories are everywhere and we just have to open our ears and listen because you'll find them when you least expect it. Case in point, walking with my mom through the Avocado Festival up in Fallbrook, big festival they have every year. Stop by this lady's uh, booth, her 10 by 10 booth, and she got all these t-shirts with avocados designed. Okay. I really liked these. Started talking to her and she kind of said something about Miracosta. Oh, wait a minute. You're a Miracosta alumni. Yeah, I am. Great. Take a photo on the spot with her and her merchandise. Throw it up on our social media. Sure enough, a ton of likes. And I didn't even know that existed because I listened and I, and I heard it just by chance at the uh, Avocado Festival in Fallbrook. And here it is, a new story on an alumni who has a business. They're out there everywhere, especially as we know, community colleges, like the majority of our graduates, they stay in their hometown, right? They don't go far away. They like they want to work in the community where they work. So they're all around us. And we just have to listen and then tell those stories. I love it. You're always, you're always working. You're always on. Look at that dedication. I love it. I'm going to go on. I'm going to now hunt this lady down because I've got an avocado theme going for my niece. This yeah, go, Christmas. Go find, it on the, uh, find it on the Instagram page. Okay. I'm going to go look her up seriously because yeah. my niece loves to make guacamole. That's her thing. So I'm buying her and, and luckily she's 11. So she's not going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> but I'm getting a whole guacamole avocado themed Christmas. So oh, fun. <laughs> So, well, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. I think people have, there's so much to take away from the conversation. And and really my last question to you is I think, I think that when people listen to this, they may want to talk to you or to see your presentation or 
to take a peek at your plan and and would you be okay with me putting you in touch with anyone who's interested? Yes, that's absolutely fine. You can include my uh, Miracosta email somewhere in that link or wherever it might be. Excellent. Well, good. Anybody has questions? Yeah, feel free. I'd be more than happy to give you more information or details. And I think that once these conferences are um, up and running again, that you need to come back and do another presentation. Yeah, I think that'd be terrific. Either at Case, NCMPR, CC Pro, all the ones we attend. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. Cheryl, thanks for hiring me seven years ago. <laughs> it is one of the best decisions. Now, I wish I could hire you again. I'm not, hopefully, your new boss doesn't hear that. Okay. <laughs> kind of <laughs> I actually went on a walk with Kristen a couple months ago. And when we were partying, she said, You better not hire Alex away from me. All right. Well, thank you so much. And for people listening, please um, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Alex or go to Maricosta Alumni Association or Maricosta website and you can find his information uh, that way too. So thank you, Alex. Always a pleasure to catch up. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Higher Education Coffee and Conversation. If you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star rating. And to discover more great higher education-related content, make sure to visit us at graduatecommunications.com. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening. Thank you for the hard work you do for students each and every day.